right, good evening. Everybody have a good restful afternoon? Good. A couple people did. I guess everybody else was just like, no, he's wide awake all afternoon. It ain't football season, so there ain't nothing good on TV right now. Especially if you watch baseball. Baseball ain't even interesting until October. <laughs> oh, my team won today. They got to do over tomorrow. That's because that's what I love about competitive sports, you know, do-overs, you know, <laughs> best two out of three, you know. Um, Brother Haggard asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago for tonight, and I really didn't have anything I was even thinking of, and I got to reading about what we're going to talk about tonight, and uh, just kind of amazing how God comes through on these kind of things. Um, if we do end up going over tonight, it's Miss Christie's fault. She done jinxed me on it. She told me she wanted me to go extra long, said she had nothing to do with the house. And so she's like, you know, whatever you was going to do, double it. So I added extra points this afternoon. I got a slideshow, a multimedia event going on and everything. So no, I'm joking. Um, whenever I think about God's blessings, it amazes me that he even thinks to bless it, bless me, because I don't deserve it. You know, you really think about where you are in your life, even the best Christian among us, um, the fact that God takes time out of his day to be able to bless us is very amazing to me. Um, and we, we, we've been studying um, as a teen group, uh, you know, humans really want justice. We really want a lot of justice. We like justice. We like when the person passes us to see them get pulled over. Right? Nobody pulls by and is like, I hope that officer goes easy on him. Now we're like, man, I hope they billy club him and take him to jail. That guy passed me and everything, you know. But I'm glad God has mercy. You know, I think um, many times I, I am blessed beyond what I've ever needed. And uh, I'm just very thankful for that. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. It's kind of just God's blessing me in our daily need. Um, so first, we'll, if you'll turn in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, and I only have about, um, there's a total of 36 verses in the whole chapter, and we're going to read um, 35 of them, no, um, we're going to read a few of them, look at this here, and kind of talk about this this evening. Um, so if everybody'd stand, if you're able to, um, Exodus chapter 3, will, or chapter 16, sorry, chapter 16, and we will start in verse 3, it says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then you'll uh, skip down to verse 12. It says, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, speaking to them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at, at even the quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, the face of the wilderness, uh, behold, of the, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoarfrost, on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, Is it manna? For they wist, uh, uh, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread uh, which the Lord hath given to you. 
to, given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in the tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathereth much had nothing over, and he that gathereth little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left, it, uh, left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. Uh, and they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on six day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the ruler, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Um, and he said unto them, This is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and uh, seethe that which. That ye will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here this evening. I pray that you'll be able to speak through me and uh, use me, um, that it would be your words and not mine. pray that it would be uh, profitable to everybody here, and I uh, pray it should be with those that are traveling and not here this evening, um, those that are watching at home, that it would be a blessing, and those that, like I said, are traveling, that they'd have safe travels. These things you name me pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank y'all very much. So... Um, the Israelites come up out of, we know the story here. This is a fairly common, um, from, if you know, attend church for your entire life. This is common from roughly like uh, kindergarten until, you know, uh, you're 100. You hear this story pretty regular about the Israelites here, um, you, you know. And uh, so this is not an unfamiliar story, but I want to pull some things out of here and hopefully uh, get you to see some things that the Lord's been speaking to me about over this um, and kind of what over the last few weeks of just studying this that I have found. Um, God sends what is necessary to meet our needs as a Christian. Um, God, has, God has always, you know, I can remember being very naive at 16 and you know those preachers get up and preach these great awesome things that happen you know they needed 80 million dollars and they didn't have a nickel to their name and then a 80 million dollar check just showed up i've got here lord i see what you do for other people <laughs> you know please see me here but as i've gotten older i realize sometimes god doesn't meet our needs because we can't handle it you know um, I think about the um, people that were given the, the parable there where one guy got this many talents, this guy got this many talents, and this guy got this many talents. This guy doubled his, this guy doubled his, and this guy did nothing with his. And that's kind of how we are as Christians sometimes. But that's a whole other message to get into. But I want you to see here in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 3, it says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. The newly liberated Israelites, almost immediately after seeing all these things, we're only a few chapters removed from the Red Sea, the plagues, all these things that God did to support them and care for them and liberate them. They started reminiscing about the worldly life they had been living before. Regardless of the bondage and suffering they endured, they could only think of the plenty. 
Many times, I think many Christians, God's meeting our need or doing this or that, or he's doing these great things in our life, and we start thinking about that worldly life that we had before. And we don't think about the bondage that we were in, the horrible part of it, the hell or anything like that, but we do think about those pleasures. The devil's pretty smart in how he'll convince you. Uh, Whenever the devil tries to convince you of something, he's not going to be like, hey, look at all this bad part of it. No, he's like, don't, don't even worry about that. Here, look at those smiley faces. You never see, like, you know, unpleasant things. You know, you don't see, like, food poisoning in Taco Bell commercials. No, it's always that, like, delicious stretching cheese and all that stuff. You don't see all the back side of that. Um, and that's kind of the same thing here. The Israelites were very quick to say, we would, it's very interesting what they say, would to God we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Am I loud? This sounds really loud to me. Move down here a bit. Um, is that worse? There we go. Um, he said that we would rather die by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. We have freedom. God is taking care of us. But man, we ate really well. Yeah, them Egyptians beat us. Yeah, them was bad working conditions. We ate well. That's what a lot of Christians, I think, do sometimes whenever we think about that old life sometimes. It, you know, yeah, I was going to hell. Yeah, all these negatives. Sure was fun, though. Because that's what they were doing here. They wanted all the benefits of the bondage lifestyle but while willfully ignoring the suffering. Sin's bondage always has a suffering component to it. You, you know, it never, it, it might not be in the immediate, but there is always a a suffering component to it. Christians want to reminisce about the, good, about the good days of their lost life, if there is such a thing, but they will be willfully ignorant of the sin bondage that they have. So what God does here is he says, I have heard, in verse 12, it says, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that in the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And then the dew lay, was, or when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoarfrost on the ground, a little bitty thing was on the ground. And that's even what they called it. If you look and you look at the actual translation of manna, manna is what is it? You know? So they go out there and it's like, hey Tom, what's that? I don't know what that is. You know? What is it? Eat it. Nah, you eat it first. You know what I mean? They, they, were, they were pretty skeptical about this. And that's why Moses has to come out and give some directions on this. But after we get saved, God is faithful to sustain our Christian life. So many times, um, especially, I don't know if it's this way in the rest of the world because I've never lived in the rest of the world, but the American mindset is very self-reliant. You know, there's a very pioneering self-reliant, and we really think that if I can't do it, there's something out there that I can do or obtain to be able to fix this problem. And I think sometimes that leaks into our Christian life, saying, you know what, I I can fix this problem. I can fix this part of my Christian life. And we don't rely on God so much. And so that's kind of what this is talking about here is God's providing this manna to meet their daily thing. You're not going to be hungry. I didn't bring you out here to let you starve. And that's the same thing whenever we read our Bible, whenever we pray, whenever we have that time with the Lord. God says through that, I am going to meet your daily spiritual need. I'm going to take care of you. And so God will meet our daily needs um, if we are willing to do the work to get them. The Israelites had to go and collect the manna. Um, 
It takes effort on our part to communicate with God. We have to take a set-apart time to read our Bible. We have a set-apart time to pray outside of, you know, Dear Lord, thank you for the food. Amen. You know, bless it to our bodies. Bless this, you know, pizza hut to our bodies to the nourishment of it. You know, those kind of prayers. Um, those are great faith prayers that I, you know, that's what I call great faith prayers. Um, or the standard Baptist uh, uh, potluck, you know. Bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, you know. Um, very rarely is there super healthy food at the Baptist potluck, you know. <laughs> But the Israelites had to go out there and get it. This just didn't manifest at their house. This manna didn't. They had to go out and collect it every day. So they had to go out and collect an omer, one for every man or one for every person. So at my house, I would have to collect an omer for me, an omer for Elaine, an omer for Charlotte, for Ansley, for Cal, for Greta. And if Liberty was with us, I'd have to collect one for Liberty. Because that's what it said. And it said, don't be greedy with it. You know, there will be plenty. That's what that verse there says. Uh, verse 18, it says, And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathereth much had nothing over, and he that gathereth little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. So if I was like, man, i got to have ten omers. There was plenty for me to get my ten omers. And then if Hunter's like, man, I only need one. There was plenty for him to get his one. They didn't run, what's that saying is they didn't run out. God is able to sustain the church. He is able to, as the church is willing to go out and put that work in, um, put that time into prayer, put that time into Bible reading, put that time in investing into uh, the ministries of the church, God is able to sustain that through his power. And that's what that's talking about here. He, if you gather a lot, he's able to sustain that. If you gather a little, for, if you have a big church, God's able to sustain a big church. He's able to sustain a little church. God has enough to meet the needs of the local church and the individual Christian. And so God then, you know, here it lays out what you can do, what you can't do. It lays what you can do for the Sabbath. Um, and uh, um, I'll get to that here in a minute. I don't want to skip ahead because then you'll know the ending. Um, but after a period of time, the Israelites became discontent with the way God was meeting their needs. And if that is not the average Christian, meet me included, this isn't uh, abnormal to me, you know. It's very easy for me to get discouraged with what God meets my needs with, you know. It's like, you know what, Lord, I really like my old truck. But this person over here, they just got a brand new truck. Why can't you bless me with a new truck? I'd tell everybody that you gave me that new truck. I'd witness everywhere about this new truck you gave me. You know what I mean? And, but, you know, I get to also witness because... That old truck's still running. You know, they'll be like, that old thing, you know, it's still going. I don't know what to tell you. I'd take it in this week to get a window fixed on it, and my tires balance and rotating, and I'm getting new brake pads, brake calipers, brake lines. I was like, man, that truck ain't made for stopping. It's made for going. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't need brakes. You know, it's big enough. I'll hit something. I'll stop eventually. Um, but after a period of time, the Israelites became discontent with the way God was meeting their needs. Flip over to Numbers chapter 11. Look at a few verses over here. Numbers chapter 11. You know, Brother Gilbert said this morning about the clock. When I spoke at my dad's church a few weeks ago, well, back in uh, whatever month that was, April, they start at Sunday school at 9.30 and they start church at 10.30. So I'm just going right along, you know, dip, dip, dip. I'm like almost done. And I look up and it was only 11.15. I was like, Ooh, I got 45 minutes. I got to fill with this last point. And then, you know, so I had a mini panic attack in the middle of preaching. 
After a period of time, the Israelites became discontent with the way God was meeting their needs. Numbers chapter 11, we'll look at, verse, we'll look at a few verses here, but we'll start in verse 1. It says, When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. That doesn't change with, for the modern Christian. If you complain to the Lord, it displeases Him. You know, uh, when we play this, woe is me. And the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tibera, uh, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Uh, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again, and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Now, if anybody knows my eating habits, about half of what they listed, I'm out. You know, they're like fish, uh, cucumbers, uh, melons, uh, leeks. I don't even know what that is. Uh, the onions and the garlic's the only thing I'm in on, you know what I mean? But that's what they, they got to thinking about that. But one important uh, uh, point here to look at is verse 4. It says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? And then they go into complaining there. Flip over to, if you look down at verse 10 there of chapter 11, it says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I, conce have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou, uh, that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, ask as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou hast swearest unto their fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of out of hand, if I will have, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see, and let me not see my wretchedness. So, these Israelites are complaining, griping, um, discontent. Um, if you've ever had a child that you would prepare a meal for that they don't like, you know, you know what that is like. Um, and unless you have the policy like at my parents' house that we had, you don't like it, you make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you ain't got to eat this, but that's, you know. Um, but they're complaining about this, and they immediately go into, man, remember that fish we used to have over in Egypt? Oh, man, those melons we could have? Ooh, and them cucumbers. Oh, remember you used to take those cucumbers and make those little cucumber fish sandwiches? Oh. And then you could roast it with some garlic and some onion. Oh. And a leek. I still don't know what a leek is. Me either, but we ate them, you know. Uh, but that's immediately what they start doing. And it aggravates, and, and it gets so bad it aggravates Moses about this. He's like, you know what, God, just kill me. I'm done dealing with these people. Just kill me if this is how it's going to be. So Moses gathers the 70 elders together, and um, I want us to look at verse 18 here. 
And he say unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten nor twenty, but even a whole month until it come out your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? Christians will be serving the Lord, having their needs met, and start complaining because they get their eyes focused on the world. So that verse 4 talks about that mixed multitude. That mixed multitude was among them and worldly friends, that worldly areas that we have to come into contact with on a daily basis. They get to see in them, they see the benefits that they have. Ooh, man, that mixed multitude's eating some fish. Man, remember that fish down there in Egypt? You know, man, they got this nice stuff. You know what? They got a lot more money than I do. They work on Sundays, though. Yeah, they got a lot more cool stuff than I do. They eat beef, you know? They eat T-bones once a week. I went to a cookout over there. They had me over, and, man, they had T-bones. They didn't, they didn't do burgers and hot dogs, you know, those um, Bar-S hot dogs that you get, like, $8 million in a package for a nickel at, you know, the store. Um, it's all, like, lips and toes and stuff. Um, you know, they, they had, like, Hebrew Nationals there or something, Oscar Mayer cheese ones or something, you know, good. Um, but it's very easy whenever we start comparing ourselves and looking out at what the world has Start getting our mind off of what God has for us every day. And it's the same thing. You know, um, I don't know if you all, like I said, my mom cooked growing up, and that was her rule. I, you know, I think a lot of people think that I make this stuff up about my mother. This is accurate. I would not lie in church about my mother. Um, but if you've ever had somebody prepare you a meal, and then, you know, they're like, try it. So you got to put on that happy face, you know, um, and eat that, you know, like, oh, you don't like liver? No, my taste buds function, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but we get to looking at what other people have, and it, our stuff no longer looks good enough. You ever save and want and want something so bad, and then you finally get it, and like 20 minutes later, you're like, mm. yeah, I wish I, could. I wish I didn't have that. You know, you go to Lowe's on and off over pandemic because you got time. And, you know, you always walk by the 12-inch sliding miter compound. You know, man, now I got it. My 10-inch compound's good enough. My 10-inch is good enough. And finally, one day, they have a sale on you. are like, boom, I'm going to grab that bad boy. So you get it, and you get it home. And you're just making cuts all over the place. And then you're like, hmm, that's really big. Takes up a lot of space on my counter there, <laughs> you know, where I have it at. That's the same thing with Christians here. We get our eyes focused on the world so many times, it allows us to get uh, unfocused on God meeting our needs. Israel kept a mixed company and a mixed group started wanting something else besides manna or the blessing of the Lord. One thing that is very important here is this complaint uh, not only affected the Israelites complaining, it affected the whole congregation. And many times, one person in the church will get upset with something, you know. Oh, I wouldn't have painted the walls this color, or I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have done that, or, you know, whatever thing people complain about. You know, people complain about anything, you know. Um, you can be like, we're not going to do this because of safety. Well, I'd have done that. We're going to go ahead and do it. Well, I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, that's just how people are. But if you look at verse 10 there, 
It says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses was also displeased. You, as we complain, we get our eyes focused off of that man and God meeting our daily needs. That does affect other people negatively. You know, um, Brother Haggett talked about it a couple of weeks ago about God sustaining us and, uh, you know, uh, in ministry and all that. I read a quote one time. It said, if, you know, whenever we think that we're burnt out is when God provides the most grace for us to keep going. Um, whenever we get the most tired, whenever the most, you know, kind of like, you know, Missy Lang saying tonight, you know, uh, the same God in the valley is the God on the mountain. In the good times and the bad times, he don't change. You know, whether it's good or bad in your life, he's still the same. And so um, the complaint, not like I said, as I, it not only affected the Israelites, the whole, it affected the whole congregation, but then it affected the man of God um, and upset the Lord. So then God says, you know what, fine. Y'all want meat? I'm going to give you some meat. You ain't going to eat it for a day. What, what's, I want to be sure I get this right here. Verse 19. You won't eat one day, nor two, nor five, neither ten nor twenty. You're going to eat so much, you are going to loathe it, is what it says. It will be loathsome unto you. I loathe baloney. We ate so much baloney with red tape on it growing up. Ugh. Like I can smell like something like every you know whenever you go to like a conference or something they'll order them subway sandwiches and it's like roast beef turkey and bologna on a thing they never have ham on them hey, you know what I mean it's like y'all don't eat ham what is this you know we got roast beef you know lips and tongues and toes and then we got turkey you know mm, turkey uh, but that's what it says there he says I'm gonna give you so much it's gonna come out your nostrils if you look at verse thirty one. Um, it says, And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, um, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. Um, so he sends them. And if we remember back in, in Exodus when we read there, before he gave them, right before he gave them the quail, or the, the manna, he also sent them quail. So, you know, I bet they was probably like, you know, hey, man, do you remember that first day we got all this and we had those manna quail sandwiches? And we had that manna quail soup? You know, I bet they was really excited in the first couple days. You know, your, your parent or spouse ever start making something, and you're like, oh, man, that's really good. Three days later... Oh, I haven't had it again. Three days later, my mom got on this beef stroganoff kick one time, and I think for like seven months straight, we had that at least five times a week. Now, I mean, we just had beef stroganoff like there. Was, we, we personally funded Hamburger Helper those seven months for beef stroganoff, you know, because she's like, well, you guys said you liked it. Yeah, that one time, you know. But I bet these people got really excited real quick. Man, we're going to have, whoo, we're going to make some manna quail soup, um, and we're going to make all these things. And then if you look at verse 33, And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place, that word, um, Kibroth Hatava, uh, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from there to uh, Hazroth and abode at Hazroth. Sometimes God will give us exactly, uh, 
he will give us exactly what we ask for, even if we cannot handle it, or even if it'll make us sick or kill us. So many times we as Christians get our mind focused on one thing. God, if I just had that job, I'd be happy. God, if I just had that job, I'd be happy. I, there's hundreds of stories that I personally know people and that I've heard from pastors over the 35 years I've been on this planet of people where God was meeting their needs and had them doing something. God, I just would like to be out of here. I like not be doing this and doing something else. So God gives them that answer. They get moved. They go to a different, their job changes, their ministry changes or something like that. And they hate it. As soon as they get there, they're like, man, I wish I could be back doing what I was doing before. Sometimes God answers our prayers just to make us happy. Fine, that's what you want. You ain't going to have it for a day. You're not going to have it for two days or three or five, ten or twenty. You're going to have it so much that it will become loathsome unto you. So many times we get our eyes focused on the world. Man, God, I just want some of what that world has. I just want just a little bit of it. Not a lot. I don't want, like, the bad parts of it. I just really want that fish and cucumbers. And then God said, fine. You've got to have so many fish and cucumbers, you will be sick of them. I think that's probably what it was. I ate fish probably one time when I was growing up, and that's just scarred me. That's biblical, you know. You know, I'm just loathsome towards it, you know. But the quail, the quail came and made the congregation sick, and many died. This not only affected the initial complainers, it affected the whole congregation. Churches all across the nation. Right now, I believe the current, um, I, you know, the guy said a few weeks ago, the guy going to Serbia said, you know, that he had heard all these numbers of people coming off the mission field. I think right now, thir- um, churches are averaging 30% loss from COVID. Like they're not expecting to get 30% of their members back that they lost during that. And the kale, the quail, the kale, uh, kale will make you sick too. The quail came and made the congregation sick and many died. Sometimes that little complaining that I get going on, you know, remember Sam gets up there and he sure does rip on that food, you know. And I really don't like whenever he talks about how his mother didn't make him eat that food, you know. Um, That's just me. That's just the only thing I have to relate. If my mom, you know, was a little bit more of a tyrant and made me eat my food, you know, I'd tell you about it. But she just never did, you know. Um, I'm joking. It's not tyrant to make kids eat food. We make our kids eat food. But the quail came, made the congregation sick, many died. Sometimes our small complaints, our small getting focused on the world, just me doing that, might affect Hunter, it might affect Silas, it might affect Wyatt, Matt, Rachel, Brooklyn, Emma, the one on this side, Christy, um, uh, not Cheyenne, Charlotte, you know, on down the line. Because I got to complaining. So then they're like, eh, I really don't like that either, you know. Them long sermons that Brother Sam preaches, I don't like them either. Man, I don't like them either. Man, I don't like them either. Man, I don't like them either. You know what I mean? And then it says many people. Now that's just a hyperbole, or you know, um, oh no, shut it off. Uh, you know, just an out there statement. But there's so many things that we complain about in our local church that kills the congregation pretty quick because we get focused on ourselves and we lose that man, we lose that focus of what manna is. So you might say, Brother Sam, what is manna? What is the purpose of manna? Thanks for asking. I'll tell you. Um, if you flip back to Exodus chapter 11, and now for the rest of the story. No, no. Sorry, I lied. Exodus chapter 16. Come on, Sam, get it right. We would have been here all night because I've been like, this does not add up. 
Manna was meant to be a legacy to the children of Israel, a testament of the provision of the Lord. If you look at verse 32 of chapter 16, it says, And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth, fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it before the Lord to uh, be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is, a, is the tenth of a part of an ephah. It was meant to be, that manna was meant to be a testament of God's provision in the wilderness. That for generations, the children of Israel would talk about, anytime something hard come up, yeah, but you remember when we was in the wilderness? God met our needs then. Sometimes God meets our daily needs so that we can testify about that to somebody else that's going through a hard time. God supplied for the entire nation of Israel. He fed them every morning and a double portion on, on well, been their Fridays. So they'd have plenty for the Sabbath. And if you flip ahead, or you don't have to flip, I'll just read it to you. Oh, no. Technical difficulties. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 4, you don't have to flip there, I'll just read it. It says, uh, it's talking about the Ark of the Covenant, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. So the Hebrews put that in the Ark of the Covenant. And then throughout the remainder of their time, it was in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, as a testament of what God could provide. It had the law the tablets, it had the holiness of the Levites, Aaron's rod, and then it had God's meeting our need. And if you look at those three things, the three things that are very important for the Christian life are that we submit to God's authority, that there is the law in our lives, and that he is willing to meet our daily needs. And that's what that testament was. Whenever God started doing this, from the very first, he said, this is going to be a testament. God did a lot of things that the Israelites were supposed to do for future generations. So that whenever they crossed the Jordan, you know, they built that, uh, you know, they took the 12 stones, put them there, bring your kids here and be like, you know what, kids? Back when your great-grandpa was coming across here, he brought that stone across and he put it right there. God split them seas for us. But then whenever it come up, every day for 40 years, God met their need. You know, I spoke at my dad's church when I was there. I spoke on something I had already preached here once um, about Elijah over there and how God met his need for three years with just that little cruise of uh, oil and that little bit of flour with that widow woman and her son. And that's what we have, three years of God meeting his need and then him going on, and then we have him with the prophets of Baal. And so as I was kind of reading this, Sometimes I think God meets our daily needs. I think the crux of my whole message here, and then I'll be done, is what are we doing with our blessings? What are we doing with our manna? Is it used as a legacy for the edification of a future generation or placed as a religious relic for those to hear about when they attend church? Is your manna alive to you? Or is all the things you did in the past, you know, God did this, you know, if you talk to some people, they think God's pretty much done doing anything. God's geared up for the end of the world. You know, 
God's done doing anything. He's out of the saving business. He's out of the church growing business. He's out of all of that. Because their faith has been placed into the Ark of the Covenant and used as a religious relic. But there are those people out there um, that God's still meeting those needs. And so that's my question, I guess, as I was kind of studying this out. That's what God led it for me. Um, you know, um, I was telling the teens this morning, you know, some of my viewpoints on stuff, I don't know, they probably shouldn't have, but they have since Cal got saved. Just how God meets those needs. Just a, the whole scriptures took a whole different approach to me. I, I don't know. It's kind of amazing. And that might not happen to you. That's just what happened to me. But I was thinking about that. What is that legacy? What is that legacy that that manna showed? You know, and God preserved that. That manna was taken, put in there, and that was perfect manna for eternity. You know, we don't have anywhere where it rotted or stanketh or anything. And so sometimes um, it's easy for us, as the Israelites did, to get our uh, to get our view on the world and complain about God meeting our daily needs. But the daily needs that God meets are not just for us. They're for those future generations. That was the biggest thing. Because I think that's why God put that in there in verse 35. It said, the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. So I, I take that to mean God is willing and able to meet our needs until we get to heaven. Until we get to that land inhabited. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the time to be able to be here. Um, some simple thoughts tonight. Um, I hope I was able to convey them uh, properly. Um, I just pray that uh, during the invitation here that if uh, um, we have been focusing on the world, uh, that we would get that taken care of and that uh, 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 we would focus on the legacy that we are leaving and the, the provisions that you have for us in our Christian lives. Um, just be with the invitation. These things in your name we pray. Amen.